uh, the praise team. Another round of applause. Um, I heard everybody singing there. Praise God. This is uh, the last time we are meeting in this building officially. Amen. So those of you who are not here, you are not getting this message right now. So if you come here next Sunday, we are officially raptured <laughs> over to 1327 Pyramid. <laughs> Praise God. Children, you are dismissed to your last Sunday school class in this building. Amen? Along with their Sunday school teachers. Let's give the Sunday school teachers a round of applause. Now, if you're not sharing with our excitement, uh, you haven't been a part of the building. <laughs> you haven't been part of the church. That's why you don't share with the excitement. The, the excitement comes with bittersweet feelings. Um, our brother Larry shared earlier that there has been many baby dedications that's been done here. There was a couple of uh, weddings that were done here. And there were, one is too many, but there were quite a few funeral service that were held here as well of our uh, departed brothers and sisters that are now with the Lord. Amen? Amen. So this building have served its purpose for the Lord. Amen? Amen? And you, if you have been part of this church for quite some time, you have been part of that. Because we have been kicked out here for a long time if nobody's paying for it. Because uh, other than us, we are the only nonprofit organization in this entity. The owner of this building isn't a nonprofit organization person. Maybe you want to pick that call up. <laughs> Maybe it's Jesus calling. <sighs> Thank you for coming. Um, this is our. It's an overwhelming day for me, emotionally. But um, it has nothing to do about me and how I feel about it. So we're going to continue with our study in the book of James. Let's please turn our Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse, we're going to be reading from verse 2 to 7. And then we're going to jump to verse 12. Okay? Amen? If you have your Bible and you're in James 1, please say amen. amen. All right, I'm going to begin reading. I'm reading from the New International Version. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. But when he asks, he must believe and do not and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, 
unstable in all he does. Verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for everything that you have done for us. We thank you for all these years providing this building for us. Rain, snow, summer, fall. Father, you have been here with us. We thank you for the many messages that we have received from you here. We thank you for the grace and mercy that you can constantly pour out to us with this church body that you've made us to be a part of. We thank you for the trials that we experience together in this building and as a church. We thank you for the songs that we, were, that we sang today. May our hearts be open now, Father, for your message. Clear our minds, Father God, from any garbage that has been bothering us and will prevent us from hearing you and listening to your will for us. Humble us, Lord God, and may we receive your word. May your Holy Spirit, Father, speak to all of us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. Last service means what? Just change of location, really. <laughs> We're the only ones that make it kind of special. But really, what does that mean? What does last Sunday mean here? Nothing. Because tomorrow you live for the Lord right after. Amen? Yeah, because you're just not a Christian here. You're a Christian out there. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Hariah agrees. Hariah, we're probably going to do your dedication in the new building. I think he's, uh, <laughs> he's getting everybody's attention there. <laughs> we love babies, right? Yeah, we do. And in, in, our, in our church body, it's so unique. It's, it's different, a variety of age brackets, different journeys in life, you know, different stage. So when I prepare the message, I try to hit every generation, every aspect of life that everybody might be going through. I don't know if I do a good job, but that's what I try. That's what I try to do. And your prayers are either answered or not answered. Because if you're praying, Lord, let him preach for 30 minutes today, you haven't learned. <laughs> That's close to a miracle, like parting the Red Sea. So let's do some. So the title of tonight's message is The Pressure Test Part 3. <laughs> we just can't seem to get over the hump of this part here where there's so much, I think. And now, for those of you who haven't been with us, I want to give you a recap, I feel like it's needed. A recap is always needed. We're doing a radical change. We're on the part three of our mini-series, The Pressure Test, with our big series, The Radical Change, with the study of the book of James. James is a book, The Radical Change series. James is a book that is not about helping you find your way because the book of James is for believers, but helping you live your walk as a believer. No one looks forward to surgery. Amen? Maybe some of you then. It is painful. And parts of this book is going to be painful for everyone of us during this study. A radical change by nature 
by the very nature of the expression, concludes that something is going to be removed and replaced. The Apostle James says that if we are in our personal says that if we are in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then what is on the inside should match the outside. What's in the inside much must match the outside. And if that is not the picture, then he urges us to participate in this radical change, a life that is changed from within. Because a, a change from the outside in is religion. Our relationship with God is a change from the inside out. God convicts us of everything inside, right? And then he shows we're still in the first chapter of the book, which is a painful beginning. Radical change requires a crisis. The summary of the spiritual surgical procedures uh, are here. These are the things that we've been tackling. Recap of parts one and two of the uh, pressure test. The reality of the pressure test, that it's going to happen. It's when. It's not a matter of if. That the pressure test that God will bring us through is calculated by our good God. And every test has an initial purpose. It's, it's not going to go to waste. God has a purpose for it to, so that we can persevere and mature in our faith. Right? And that's the fourth purpose. The ultimate purpose in every trial is to produce maturity. And then um, today, oh, last week, we discussed the, a path to victory. Pure joy, we have to grasp it and comply with the Holy Spirit. That was uh, last week. This today, this is today's. Hazards to the test. And then second will be promises of God. I know I, I tried, I really tried. So I broke it down to many, many Sundays already, but still I still have a lot of bullet points here. So if you're in a hurry, um, sorry. First point, there are hazards to the test. There are hazards to the test. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. James, the Apostle James, reminds us that there are two reasons why our trials will overwhelm us and they never seem to go away. Right? Nobody looks forward to a trial. Amen? I think we established that last week. And I think we can all, because we're all normal people, we don't like it. But the one danger when we go through the trial, as, as God has presented to us through the Apostle James, is if there is a lack of wisdom, right? This command is tied to verses 2 and 4 and instructs us to pray for wisdom. And when we don't understand the trials and God will allow us to see from the trial, from His perspective, not from our problems. What does it mean? First, a warning. I have a sport analogy coming. <laughs> Since football is uh, almost, day, almost here, for those of you who don't watch football, there is such a thing in, in this sport where it's called an offensive coordinator. Right? I always find it fascinating with this sport because these guys are comfortable with their AC or heater if it's snowing. They're looking in, they have cameras, they have their communication, they're the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator. They're looking at the cameras, the videos and stuff. They look from the, they have a certain perspective that is much clearer in different angles 
so they can see the better strategy that the team can proceed with. The suggestion there is, or the idea there is because they can then suggest to the quarterback who cannot see with those different perspectives that the offensive coordinator can see. Now God is saying, if any of you lacks wisdom, he must pray and ask. This is in the context of while you're going through your trial. Why? Because when we're in the heat of the battle, we only have one thing that we can see. It's either going through the storm or taking the punches or trying to get up because we got, got hit way too strong. We got kicked way too much. But God is up there better than an offensive coordinator. He's up there looking in. And he says, ask. The lack of wisdom in our life regarding our personal trial is hazardous or a threat to bring defeat and discouragement into our life. Remember, the pressure test is for us to pass that test with flying colors. And one threat of that is if we lack wisdom. And the only way, dear friends, dear loved ones, the only way that we can really see from God's perspective is if we ask Him, Lord, help me see what your purpose is in this, this difficult time in my life. When believers face times of testing, whether physical, emotional, moral, or spiritual, they have, speci they have special need of God's wisdom. We have a special need of God's wisdom. And we should remember the words of Solomon. We've always recited it. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, we memorize that. But verse 7, I, I would submit that we probably don't know 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will keep your path straight. Verse 7 reads, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. It should go without saying that trials should enhance our prayer life. Amen? Because some of us, we really do just go on prayer when we're going through a trial. Now, as we turn to the Lord for guidance, strength, patience, and wisdom in prayer, and we should always ask God, our Heavenly Father, for wisdom. Wisdom. James assures us that far from being miserly in dispensing the gracious gift to his children, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. God doesn't take it against us when we ask him for wisdom. He doesn't say, what, again? You want wisdom again? You haven't learned from the last time? No, he doesn't find fault. Because he knows our limitations. So the problem, again, when it comes to limitations, it's never God who's limited. It's always us. Amen? Amen. When we're going through our heartbreaks, our heartaches, our pain, our trouble, we can never understand it without the guidance of God. 
What we will understand it is painful, it's difficult, it's heartbreaking. We're tired of it. We had enough of it. That's what we know. And I can sympathize with you because I know it's, it's difficult. It's never easy. But we are to take heed to the instructions that God has given us through the book of James. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. You should ask God. Translates as an imperative verb in the Greek. James is not giving personal advice, but a divine command. And therefore, our calling on the Lord for wisdom is not an option. It is, a, it is mandatory for every believer in every trial. Amen? Amen? Some of us, we need that word mandatory before we show up in any meetings. That's me. I'm guilty of that. Because I'm in, in real estate. I'm in real estate and uh, I'm, uh, I, I run my own business. Nobody's going to tell me what to do when it comes to with my brokerage. But when they say mandatory, I'm like, ah, oh, gosh. Mandatory? Why? <laughs> you know? You know, there's mandatory things as a Christian. We are freed. We are, we are free from the consequences of our sin. Amen? But there are mandates for you and I. Some of us, you won't agree to that. There are mandates that is given to God's people. And look, the, the one mandate is that we should ask God. If any of you lacks wisdom, as you're going through your trial and you don't understand, what's the command? Ask God. Ask God. And then remember the words of Solomon, do not be wise in your own eyes. The only time that we feel like we don't need to ask God is if we think we know and we got it right. When we approach something that we're like 100% sure, and we don't even step back and say, let me, let me look at this first. Let me pray about this first. Let me seek counsel about this first. The only time, if we don't do all of that step back and, and assessment, and we're so sure that we are 100% on this one, that's when we get in trouble. Do you agree? Some of you are old enough to know that, yes, many of our heartbreaks, many of our pain, many of our failures happen when we rushed into it. Amen? Whether it's a business decision, like, oh, I'm going to make some investments here without thinking about it. Like, oh, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, Tesla, the Tesla stocks is going to fly. It's going to go off the roof. Invest this money, and then you see the graph go from green, red, 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 red. There's, there's, there, there, it pays. It pays for us to be humble. Amen? And especially during trial. During the trials, all we know, again, I keep repeating it because I think sometimes we miss it. Because we're, we're told to be tough, right? And there's nothing wrong to be tough, to be strong. Sure, there isn't. Until it says, God says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We know it. So those who are humble praise. Those who are humble says, well, I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure about this. Let me think about it. So let me think and let me pray. Let me seek counsel. And then I'll proceed as God tells me. Especially during pain. 
Remember the apostles, the disciples, when they were in the middle of the storm in the Galilee, the Sea of Galilee? When they were getting hit, they were getting, they were getting pounded by the waves there. And they were worried about their lives. But they forgot one special thing. They had God in the boat. <laughs> they had God in the boat. God himself, God incarnate was there sleeping. And then they said, Lord, don't you not care that we die? Then what did Jesus say? Yeah, I, I didn't care. Please don't bother me. <laughs> no, God addressed it. He said, be still. And then it was still. From a loud roaring waves to still. We can't see God's purpose without asking God for help. We will never see God's purpose without asking for His direction and guidance. Remember those buyer beware? I don't know, I just figured I'd use it today. Buyer beware. If a believer who is being tested is not driven to the Lord in prayer and does not develop a deeper prayer life, the Lord is likely to keep that test active and even intensified, it intensified until His child comes to the throne of grace until he makes his ear attentive to wisdom and inclines his heart to heart to understanding. God will con constantly send the, the test, right? Just like in school. If you can't get it, you'll repeat your grade. I dreaded that when I was going to school in the Philippines because they, they do have, they keep you. And then your, your, your friends from the year before, they'll call you, ah, repeater. <laughs> you're a repeater. That means you're ah, you're stupid. You didn't make it. Yeah, some people there they graduate uh, elementary school at 24. <laughs> they just couldn't get it. <laughs> no, but in our in our trials, sometimes God sends it again and again and again and again and again because we're not developing. We're not getting it. So God says, well, okay, maybe another one. And then we get it, and we go, okay, now a different one. And then we get it, and it goes, okay, now getting better. And then it goes different. Second point, second hazard is the lack of faith. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Now please note the difference in this verse. The lack of wisdom causes us to be overwhelmed in the midst of the trial. But the lack of faith causes us to lose our only source of strength that can equip us to pass the pressure test and live a victorious life. That's what he's saying there. The verse tells us that this is not saving faith. It's sustaining faith. Saving faith is believing that Jesus died on the cross and paid for your sins. This faith that James speaks about is to sustain us, to carry us through the trial. Now, if we are lacking that faith, I don't know if God will see me through this. So now I have to make, I have to, do it on my own. Now, mind you, the first part we said, right? Pray. 
Those of you pray. But see, we're us Americans, we don't like waiting. Do you agree? Who here likes to wait? Because I didn't. I, I, was, I rented a car. Me and Anna rented a car. We had this great idea because my niece and my nephew graduated in high school. And we had this great idea. Let's just rent a car going there along with the hotel. Two and a half hours in the line at budget, rent a car at the airport. I'm like, this is such a bad idea. Two and a half hours, I could have been in Sacramento already. Because waiting, waiting is just painful. Right? I hate it. So I'm bringing this up because when we pray for wisdom, when we pray for wisdom and faith, for God to improve our lives, sometimes He says, wait. Right? Because sometimes the prayer is not, instant, it's not an instant message, just like on, on Facebook. I sent it to my brother, brother, a message to my brother-in-law in the Philippines, who's like thousands of miles away. Send it, he gets it, he replies to me. Right away. Unlike before, I'd write a letter to my friends in Baguio nine days before they get it. And then when they write me back, it's two years. <laughs> Not because the postal was taking so long. It just took them two years to write me back. <laughs> but there's a delay, right? In prayer, there's the delay. The lack of faith is what hurts us. When we're going through trial, there's a lack of faith. Because when we ask, sometimes we're not getting it yet. So now we don't want to wait anymore. See, if we ask, we must believe and not doubt. We must believe and not doubt. Because God hates double-minded people. Remember that father who asked for healing for his son? Remember? And he said, Lord, I brought my son to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Now, if you can... Please heal him. And Jesus said, if I can. See, you go through that line quick, right? You just go because you need to get, you need to go to work and you need to pray. But then if you pause long enough, he said, when Jesus said, if I can, that right there's the message. Church, when you pray to God and ask for help from him, you ask him for wisdom as you're going through the trial, the answer is, yes, I will answer you. Because I can answer you, and I will answer you as you need the answer when I think it's right. Sustaining faith. This means, sustaining faith means this. You will not abandon ship, but you will abandon yourself to God who loves you and cares for you. See, you have to know who you're praying to. You have to know who you're trusting. God is good. Amen? Amen? God is good. He's that person. You know those, those trust tests when they're doing those workshops and somebody's going to fall? The, the, I don't know what they call it. The guy's going to fall and his teammates are going to catch him. Right? What is it? Trust fall. I guess that's so simple. Trust fall. <laughs> right? If we can do that, if we know that we can count on certain brothers and sisters, when they say, I'll be there, we know that they'll be there, right? How come we can't do that with God? Sometimes we say this, Lord, I know you've saved me for eternity. 
I know you've, you've paid for my sins. But in regards to this particular matter, I don't know if you can. So let me take care of it. James is making it clear that the Lord requires the right kind of asking. Because you see, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. The, right, the Lord requires the right kind of asking, which is must be in faith without doubting. When you ask, don't doubt. In other words, our request must be backed by genuine trust in God's character. Because he gets offended when we doubt him. Can we be clear with that? You can doubt me, but don't doubt God. He gets offended when we doubt him. Because his character is being questioned. If you don't know God, you can't trust God. So you, the more you get to know him, the more you get to trust him. And then you, you, if you don't know God's purpose for your life, you will doubt his commands. When it comes to give your tithe and you're saying, what, Lord? I don't have enough. God's purpose is that when we give, is so that we will not be entangled by the power of money. God doesn't need our money. We need to let go of our money so that the, the power of money doesn't grip us. That's why tithing is part of our, our growth as Christians. Because letting go of what, God, what is God's is trusting God and obeying God. Letting go of the things that God is telling us to stop. Stop doing this. We have to trust Him that He knows what's best for us. So that's why we will obey Him. Our requests must be backed by genuine trust in God's character, purpose, and promises. If you don't believe that God's promises for you are good for you, then you will never trust Him. You will never trust in His timing. You will never trust in His will. You will never trust in His commands. You just want to go to heaven, but you can't make it to church every Sunday. We say, I can't wait to be in heaven. I can't wait to be in heaven. The week, but, but that's for eternity. But we can't make it to church. We're not excited to be at church. Not just this church, wherever you are. Right? That's for all Christians. That's for all Christians. When we say we want to be with God and we love God, and we, when, when we die here, we're going to be with, with Him in heaven for eternity, church is a taste of heaven. And somebody says, ugh, what? This is a taste of heaven? Oh, man, I'm in trouble. See, we're all going to be there. Amen. Now, if there's any animosity between us right now, we have to pray and say, Lord, help me. Help me love my brother and my sister the way you love my brother and my sister. Lord, help me exercise grace, love, and mercy as you exercise grace, love, and mercy through me. Lord, help me crave and want and be excited to be in your house with your people to sing praises for you, songs of praise. Help me be excited to be in prayer. Help me be excited to read your word. Just like the father of the son that asked for healing. Remember, after Jesus said, if I can, if I can. And then, and then the father responded, Lord, I believe. 
but help me in my unbelief. He, sa- he says, just like us at times, Lord, I know you can, I know you can, but there's that thing in my heart that's just disconnected because I don't see how you can. I can't see it. Only you can. So please strengthen that. Not because I can't see it doesn't mean I don't trust you. Help me. Help my unbelief. Trust that you are seeing this whole thing, the entire picture, front and back, top and bottom, left and right. You know, when we, when we read the, the stories in the Bible, the challenges of Gideon, the, char, the, the journey of Moses, right? The crucifixion of Jesus. We know the ending of it. So it seems to be so much easier to read sometimes. Or there's no drama. There's no more suspense. It's like watching a movie that you've already seen the end. Like Sixth Sense, right? <laughs> I just blew it for everybody who haven't seen it. Remember that movie? That movie made so... The whole drama of that movie was magnified at the end of it. Right? And then you just can't watch it anymore afterwards. So those of you who are shaking your head, you haven't seen it, I'm not going to blow it for you. I'm just going to tell you, if you watch it, the, the, you, everything I'm saying here will make sense for you. Why am I saying? Because at the end of our lives, church, at the end of our, end of our lives, the Lord has, will remind us that He has won the war for us. We have our battles to fight. But God has won the war. We just have to trust Him. Some Christians simply doubt that God will give them what they need and rationalize their doubt in countless ways. They believe they are undeserving, which is true. We're all undeserving. But as I already pointed out, not because we're undeserving, it's irrelevant. God still is good. Or some Christians may think that their needs are not worthy of God's attention, which is also true, but irrelevant. For in His boundless grace and love, He sovereignly chooses to take great interest in things that in the grand scheme of things seem utterly insignificant. Other Christians, unfortunately, it is us at times, we are inclined to argue with God wondering why he allowed a calamity to come upon them or upon us in the first place, or why he doesn't provide us a way out. When we were going through the journey of our transition here, many of us were questioning, why can't we just stay here? Because God wanted us out. Because God wanted us to move. Because God wanted us to experience Him in a different level. When God brings trouble in our lives, God wants us to realize another thing about Him and another thing about us. In prayer is the only way that we can ask God for wisdom and to strengthen our faith, to sustain us. Now, a prayer request does not believe God at His word. A prayer request that does does not believe God at His word, that doubts either His ability or His trustworthiness, is presumptuous and worthless 
and this an affront to our Heavenly Father. Remember in Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. A prayer that doubts will not be answered. A prayer about doubt, God will answer. We'll say, Lord, I'm doubting you here, but I know, I know I shouldn't be. Please help me understand your power. Please help me understand your wisdom. Please help me understand your timing. Please help me understand the things that I can't understand. And God is good. He will not fault us for that. He will fault this kind of prayer. Well, I don't know, Lord. It's been 15 years that I've been praying about this, and it seems like you're not really listening. So I'm really just going to lift this prayer up to you, see if you can do anything about it. If not, you know what? It's okay. I called my friend who has money, and he's going to solve it for us. Plus, I already bet on the, the mega bucks, too, you know. I bought a ticket at Hallelujah Junction <laughs> to pay for the building. Yeah. Now, what if you don't follow this counsel for a radical change of praying for wisdom? The Bible is clear. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. That's your answer. If you will not stop doubting God, your prayers will not be answered. Clear. Amen? You might not agree with it, but it's written down. You can wrestle with it. I wrestle with it every day. Because there are times when my doubt is just pounding and just choking me. Because it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like it's, it's, it's sinking in in my heart or in, and in my mind. Now simply put, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all he, all he does. Although he claims to be a believer, his action reveals that he is an unbeliever. When he goes through a severe trial, he turns to human resources rather than completely trusting the Lord for answers and for help. Or he becomes bitter and resentful and seeks no help at all. He does not renounce God, but he acts as if God doesn't exist. He acts as if God doesn't care or isn't capable of delivering him from trouble. He knows something of God's word and of God's love, grace, and providence, but he absolutely refuses to avail himself of those divine resources. James says when you act like this in a trial, the pressure test, you are in over your, you are in over your head and you are doomed. Now, here's an illustration about a double-minded person. The catching of an African monkey on Discovery Channel. Now, natives hollow out a gourd big enough for the monkey to stick in their hand that is filled with, in the bottom with rice. The monkey reaches in the gourd to take the rice. But with a clenched hand, the monkey cannot escape and begins to yell, notifying the natives of his capture. Now, all the monkey has to do is let go of the rice. But the monkey won't let go. And the end result is captivity, which often leads to death. 
That's how they trap monkeys. Now, I'm not calling anybody a monkey here. But sometimes, because of our sinful nature, we don't want to let go of something that God is saying. Just let it go. Let it go and you'll be freed. The moment you let go, you'll be freed from the thing that's stressing you out, from the thing that's making you sick, from the things that's bugging you down. From the things that's not making you mature in your faith, from the thing that's making you doubt God, God's saying, just let go. Now, what is the end result of the trial in our life? Now, that's in James 1.12. God promises both temporal joy and eternal reward. Amen? Amen. Amen. We should be excited about it. We should be excited about it. Now, we can't have it both ways. I, I should read this. We, we can't have it both ways. We will un be unstable in everything if we say, I'm holding on my way, but I also want God's activity in my life. Uh, I've done this many times, unfortunately for me. I'm a Christian on Sundays. I'm something else from Monday to Saturday. The hard part there is I'm the one who's suffering for my disobedience. Because the testimony of God through me is being hurt. And the things that I'm doing is more than likely is hurting me financially, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, of course. We can't have it both ways. We can't serve two masters. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. Amen? We live in this world. This world is against God. But we are not of this world. We're just renting this body. As much as I enjoyed the car Anna and I rented the other day, I'm so happy to let it go. And I'm so happy that I didn't have to pay the big bill. I don't know how much it was for that new car. But I got this new car smell for two days. I was like, man, this is what it smells to have money. Brand new smell. This is temporary. However strong you think you are, however healthy you think you are, however happy you think your, your life is, this is temporary. Now, the opposite is true. This is temporary. However sick you are, however miserable things are going right now, however poor things are in your finances, this is temporary. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? We just have to persevere. And there's a reward, not because we're doing it for the reward, but this is God's idea. James 1.12. Temporal joy. Blessed is the man who perseveres. It's temporary. It's for now. See? This is not even the eternal. Makarios. Blessed is the same word which, with which each of the Beatitudes of Matthew 5 begins. Remember the Beatitudes? Blessed, is, blessed are the meek. Right? So this the same Makarios word. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. So blessed means much more than 
the mere happiness of a carefree life. But that has little conflict or trouble. It rather carries the idea of profound inner joy and satisfaction. A joy that only the Lord Himself is able to give to those who, for His sake and in His power, faithfully and patiently endure and ultimately conquer the trials of life. So when we say, I'm blessed, not because we're blessed, we don't have a, any trouble in life, or there's no, care, there's no care to be done. No, we're blessed because we have God. That during our trial that we're going through, God says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. While you're going through the trial, while you're in the midst of the storm, God is saying, blessed are you. See, the trial in itself, you're already blessed. You doubt it? Read James 1.12. If you have your Bible, mark it down. Go ahead, meditate on that when you go home. Now, eternal reward. Blessed is the man who perseveres. So there's the temporal and there's eternal there. Now, God's approval of our response to the trial brings the crown of life. The term for crown is borrowed from the athletics rather than royalty. It was the wreath placed on the victor's head in athletic events, symbolizing triumph. And a more literal translation could be the crown, which is life. That is eternal life. We have eternal life. Amen? Amen. It's more than your unbelieving friend and family and dear loved one has. You have, we have eternal life. Now, consequently, a more accurate statement of the principle is this. Perseverance is the proof to God's, of God's approval. Perseverance is the proof of God's approval. Why? Because it gives evidence of our salvation and our eternal life. In other words, perseverance does not result in salvation and eternal life, but it is in itself the result and evidence of salvation and eternal life. Because as we're going through, as we're going through the trials here in life, right? Now, this is not a resignment. Some people say it as a resignment, like, oh, you know what? Oh, well. I'll just wait for heaven. Some, some people say it in a you know, very resentful way, defeated way. But the thing is this. When we know that after this life, we have heaven, however bad things, whatever, whatever bad things we're going through, however long of a trial it is, we know that after this, we will have life for eternity. Amen? A genuine Christian is not simply someone who at one point in time made a profession of faith in Christ, but is a person who demonstrates true faith by an ongoing love for God. A, let me repeat that. A genuine Christian is not simply someone who at one point in time made a profession of faith in Christ, but is a person who demonstrates true faith by an ongoing love for God. Now that love for God is something that cannot be damaged. A Christian's love for God cannot be damaged. Much less destroyed. 
By what? By troubles and afflictions. No matter how severe or long-lasting. The apostle wrote in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities than the power of Christ, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen? When we are weak with our emotional weakness, with our strength is done, our financial support is done, we say in my weakness, then He is strong. The moment that we realize our lack of, God says, finally, now you have room for me. Right? Because we just don't leave room for God. We have to leave room for Him. Like, Lord, here. Here, take it, Lord. Here's my issue. Here's my problem. We're losing the building. We don't have money. Take it, Lord. And, uh, and what did He say? I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you to say that. Now, 10,000 enemies cannot stop a Christian. Amen? <laughs> no, but a boyfriend can. <laughs> No, but a wife can. 10,000 enemies cannot stop a Christian. 10,000 enemies cannot even slow him down if he meets them in an attitude of complete trust in God. If there is a complete trust in God, nothing can stop a Christian. Amen? Amen. Just like those missionaries going to the fields in the nation, the Muslim nation, with dangers presented in front of them, they face it regardless Letting go of their comfortable life here to be uncomfortable there. They face it regardless. The threats of their lives, they face it regardless. You at work, you're faced with a question. What is this about your faith that I always hear that you need to go to church on Sundays and then church camping and then prayer meeting? Tell me, what is this? And then now you're faced with the pressure because this is your supervisor. You're like, oh my goodness, if I say something about God, he's going to fire me. 10,000 enemies cannot stop a Christian, cannot even slow him down if he or she meets them in an attitude of complete trust in God. They will become to him like the atmosphere that resists the airplane. But which, because the plane's designer knew how to take advantage of that resistance, you know, the air that's pushing against the plane, actually, the resistance actually lifts the plane aloft, aloft and then holds it there Right? I love engineers. I will never understand it. I'm not going to pretend I understand it. I'm just reading it. <laughs> but I've been on a plane. It's pushing against that, that, that resistance of air, right? The wind. And it uses that same resistance to fly, to get to its destination. It's the same thing with our trials. As God tells us in James, these trials is to show us how powerful He is, how lack of faith we have, and tells us, improve in your doubt, remove it. Stop doubting me. Start trusting me more and more. Have faith in me. Have this sustaining faith that even though you're going through such a, such a painful stage in your life, you can trust me. Amen? Amen. Now this wraps the mini-series, The Pressure Test. Now remember, not all bruises are visible. 
They're not, right? Because sometimes we get punched in things that we cover with our shirt. The deepest and most painful bruises are the ones beneath the skin. The trials of life that have brought into our life that were brought into our lives, uh, the disappointments, the defeat, discouragement, and even death of our dreams. Those are losses that never seem to make it to the wind column. But we Christians, we can live in victory. Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. As the music team make their way up here. If you have any prayer requests, if you've been going through some heavy trials in your life and you just need prayer and want us to pray for you this afternoon, please come up so we can pray for you. If you want to recommit your life to the Lord, if you have been just stagnant because of certain things that you cannot let go, like the monkey with the rice, come up so we can help you be delivered from that sin from that laziness, from that stagnancy. Or if you are not a believer, I'm looking around the room, but if you are not a believer and you want to trust God with your eternal life and your life now, please come up so we can pray for you. Let's pray. Let's all rise. Father, we thank you for your message for us this afternoon. We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you for your wisdom and for your love. We thank you for you call us blessed when we are going through trials. We thank you because you know better than us. That our emotions has nothing to do with it. But because you are, you make us worthy, although we are so unworthy of you and your attention, you still give us a listening ear, you give us a time, and you help us work through our unbelief, our doubts and improve our faith. Guide us, Father, and be with us this whole week, Father God. May you use your people. Bless them, Father. May they speak life to the people that you bring around them. May they, may they be the funnel of your blessings to their friends who are unbelievers, their family who have not accepted you. And please, Father God, rescue those who are in trouble. Heal those who are sick. Restore broken relationships, Father God. And may, may you, Father, be pleased with our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, Amen. amen.